You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. We would like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are a local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au. A-D-I-T-S dot Hello everyone, Ross McLennan here from Townsville Chamber of Commerce. And this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Carl Valentine, Managing Partner of PBW Partners and Andrew Whitehead, Partner over at PBW's. Gentlemen, good afternoon. How are you? Good day, Ross. Ross. Today's episode, we are looking at the industry of professional, scientific and technical services. This is a very large industry with over a million workers Australia-wide. It covers a broad range of things, including legal, accountancy service, veterinary services, photographers, engineers, solicitors, computer system designers, just to name a few. But focusing in here on Townsville, there is over 1,250 businesses or nearly 11% of businesses in Townsville fall under this very broad sector. With over 4,500 workers here also, it is important to note the nature of this industry as many of these employees also support other regions and the success of them. PBW Partners on an annual basis combs through the details of the federal budget and today I'm very pleased to have the two guys that presented at their breakfast this morning uh, to give our listeners a bit of a broader overview. So um, Andrew, if I, can, uh, if I can start with you, great presentation this morning. Can you give us a bit of a broad shot of the, the 2021 federal budget just to get started? Yeah, sure, Ross. Um, last night, Treasurer Frydenberg announced the budget. And from an economic point of view, I think we're all very pleasantly surprised. If you think back 12 months ago, COVID started. We went into the first recession that we'd had in over 25 years. Last year's budget in October, the forecast was that this financial year was going to continue in recession and we're going to have a reduction in the economy of about 1.5%. Last night, the Treasurer announced that the prediction for this financial year is actually going to be growth in the economy of 1.25%. So that's a remarkable turnaround in just you know six or seven months from the last budget in October. So that, that's a fantastic result for the government, I think, and, and testament to the money that they've spent and the stimulus that they've put into the economy over the last 12 months. So from an economic point of view, the overview would be that Treasury is really positive about the economy. They're really pleased with how it's gone over the last 12 months, and they're positive as to how it's going to continue into the next couple of years. So forecasts for continued growth in the economy over the next couple of years as well. From a spending point of view, there's large amounts of spending in the economy, things like health, aged care, big infrastructure projects, mental health, etc. So the government's spending lots of money still in the economy, trying to, to keep that stimulus there. And from a tax perspective, there was really no real changes. So it's steady as you go from a, from a tax point of view. Just a few tweaks to some existing legislation that's been announced over the last 12 or 18 months. He did talk a little bit about employment there and some, some pretty aspirational targets as well. I mean, how do you see that playing out and, and these predictions moving forward? Yeah, well, again, it's quite remarkable as to how it's changed over the last you know six to 12 months. Think back to June last year, unemployment hit 7% and it was expected to continue to grow this year to about 7.5% in June this year. Now it's forecast to, to hit 5.5% in June this year, so a full 2% per 
better than what was predicted. And then over the next two years, they're, they're forecasting that unemployment's going to come down to below 5%, so by 2023. And that's really unusual. The Australian economy has very rarely been under 5% unemployment. Mm. So again, that's a, a real positive for, for how the economy is, is uh, forecast to, to perform. And you did talk about there's still stimulus. I mean, we've seen some of the, the bold sort of uh, things like JobKeeper sort of tapering off and, and those employment numbers still not getting hit too hard because of that, even though there was some some doomsdays around that. But there is going to be a lot of debt at the end of this. And, and where, where are we projected to at the moment? Where's where's that projection going over the over the next three years? So we're still forecast to have deficits over the next you know four or five years. And the government funds those deficits by borrowing money, which means that the debt continues to increase. So for the 2021 year, the deficit, uh, the debt, sorry, is expected, or the net debt is expected to hit about $617 billion. And it's going to continue to grow through to about 2025, where it's going to peak, they're saying, at about $980 billion. So just under a trillion dollars of net debt. Yeah, let's just call it one of something rather than 980. Well, yeah, it's a bit like buying a car and you buy it for $19,999. <laughs> um, there is an important point, but around some some debt coming for renewal this year as well in relation to some, some interest rates that we're paying on that and, and the new rate that the government can borrow it. So it's not all doom and gloom when we look at this debt, is it? Definitely not. And, and when you compare our debt to GDP ratio compared to the likes of the UK and the, the US and Japan, we're still at fairly modest rates. So our level of debt lost for Australian levels is high. Compared to the rest of the world, it, it's still you know reasonably low. And with interest rates the way they are, the amount of interest that we're paying on that debt is is relatively modest and you know still affordable. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I was interested last night, Josh Frydenberg referred to SMEs as the engine room of the economy. And because of that, they were they were establishing a small business independent umpire for disputes. Have we got any further information on that yet, or, or are we still sort of waiting? Is the devil in the detail there? I think the devil's in the detail, but I, my understanding is that effectively, instead of having to go to the federal court to have disputes with the tax office heard when they're trying to, to recover debts when you're in, in dispute with the tax office, you'll be able to go to the, um, the AAT which is a much easier process and a much cheaper process to go through. So that will be the independent umpire that will be able to um, mediate those sort of decisions. Right. I mean, a couple of things that obviously aren't new to this to this budget, but things that have been extended or, or prolonged have a huge impact on our SMEs and our small business space and, and bigger businesses. I was also interested last night when Josh Frydenberg said, you know, nine out of ten jobs in Australia are in the private sector and they are looking at ways of getting that, keeping that sector going, giving them some confidence and some longevities. And um, a couple of things, the the instant tax write-off been extended again? Yeah, so the instant asset write-off has been in for a number of years now. They've changed the thresholds as to the limit of, of how much you could claim under it. They've also changed the, the, the number of taxpayers who could qualify for it. And Last night, they extended it for another 12 months. So previously, it was supposed to finish 30th of June 2022. It's now going through to the 30th of June 2023. So another 12 months where you can buy assets and get an immediate tax deduction for the purchase of those assets. And is that capped at all? No, no, it's not. Um, if you're a 
business with a turnover of under $5 billion. It applies to any new assets that you purchase, regardless of their cost. So you could go and buy a million-dollar piece of plant and equipment for your, your factory and get an immediate tax deduction for it. And if your turnover is under $50 million, then it applies to second-hand goods as well. Second-hand goods as well. I go out, I buy a, a plant and equipment for a million dollars, I get it written off in the first year and carry that credit forward. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's immediate tax deduction against your against your income for that year. So anyone out there thinking of getting started, thinking of upsizing, I mean, there, there, there really isn't a better time when interest rates are like this, when, you know, uh, expanding and, and getting that equipment and then getting that instant tax write-off to, to prolong your, your tax situation. This is, this is pretty good news. It's great news. It's great news for the suppliers who are supplying the equipment, for the transport companies who are, who are getting it up here. Um, the one thing that we would say is that make sure that the equipment is needed. Don't just buy it to get the tax deduction. Um, but if it's something that's going to improve the efficiency of your business and the profitability of your business, then it's almost a no-brainer to go and do it now while you get the tax deduction. Yeah, fantastic. And the um, there was a there was a funny little one in there last night as well. The the patent box. Uh, have you got any information on that? Well, I thought that was a quirky one that we should talk about. Um, what, what's that all about? You know, I've, uh, I've painted it something amazing. Is it, is it time to cash in or, or what are we doing? Yeah, it's pretty specific to be honest. Oh, so no. <laughs> it only applies, the government's almost picking winners in this one. They're, it's only applying to patents that you were granted after last night. So nothing that's already been granted. Um, and it's only in the biotech and, and medical industries. So a couple of very specific industries there, but if, if you're in that field and you go and get a patent, um, basically you're only going to be paying tax on the income that you earn from that patent going forward at the rate of 17%. So as opposed to the company tax rate, which is 25% or maybe 30%. Yeah, right. So. Now, a- another one, this is this is probably not new either, but we thought we'd, we'd still talk about it because it is coming and it's coming relatively quickly uh, to, for a lot of businesses. Superannuation, there is some some subtle changes there, and but but definitely an issue for cash flow for, for businesses moving forward. Yeah, one of the um, changes that has been legislated for quite a while now, uh, hasn't had a lot of publicity, is the super guarantee rate. At the moment, you have to pay 9.5% superannuation on the wages that you pay to re- your employees. From the 1st of July this year, that's going to go to 10%. Um, and from the 1st of July 2022, it'll go to 10.5%. So you've automatically got an increase in your cost structure. For every business, your costs are going to go up. Um, So that's something you need to be factoring into your wages and your budgets. The other change that they did announce last night in the super area is the $450 exemption. Currently, if you pay an employee less than $450 in the month, you don't have to pay super for them. So from the 1st of July 2022, that threshold's gone. So for every dollar you pay an employee, regardless of whether it's $10 in the month or $500 in the month, you're going to have to pay superannuation for them. So again, that's going to increase the, the administration for those businesses and the cost. Bit, bit of an admin bill there coming, especially too, if you've got um, yeah older people or younger people working a few hours on a Saturday or a Sunday or something, you're going to have to make sure you've got those, um, those mechanisms in place. That's right. Businesses that employ lots of casuals where they might be, you know, small numbers of shifts, um, they're now going to have to pay super for all those employees. Yeah, right. So a good one to, to keep a little eye on there. Definitely. So 
Yeah, thanks, thanks, Andrew. I mean, there's there's so much to unpack. I mean, it, it's a it's a great night for all, but you know, we'll probably move on to some of the the bolder ones now, Carl. If I can, if I can chat to you, I mean, one of the big announcements we got the week before, but uh, obviously in the budget and moving forward was the reinsurance pool. Mm. I know you spoke about it this morning and gave us a little bit of history on it. It's quite a quite a moving feast. Yeah, I think it's fair to say the risks of doing business in Northern Australia have been known for a long period of time. And in my research for the paper, I went back about 50 years. And the first mention of a natural disaster insurance scheme was back in October 1974. Uh, <laughs> so as I said, almost 50 years we've been talking about this issue. And at that time, it was a nationwide scheme and it was going to be government backed. It was going to be a reinsurance style pool with also levies. Unfortunately, that fell over in 1979 when John Howard, who was then the treasurer, decided that government shouldn't be intervening in private insurance markets. And the problem sort of wallowed for a long period of time with review after review, inquiries and task forces, and till today when the Prime Minister boldly announced that they were going to take that unprecedented step of intervening in the natural disaster market, albeit there's a good precedent in our Australian Reinsurance Pool Corporation, which was set up after 9-11 to deal with the fallout from the uh, terrorist attacks in New York. Um, and Ross, you pointed out to me this morning, it was actually John Howard who <laughs> many years later decided that there was an option there for government to intervene in insurance markets. Not a bad idea when there's a market failure. And yeah, I was, I was fascinated by your research because yeah, I wasn't born when you were uh, talking about those things, thank goodness. But Nor was I. <laughs> um, I, I. I'm a bit scared the way you're referring to it as almost 50 years ago, but so I, uh, <laughs> I don't like that, that rhetoric. But yeah, there, there is a long history of it and you know, it has been something that people have talked about for a long time. But when you when you do crunch the numbers on this reinsurance pool, we've got a lot of work to go on this because mm. the $1.5 billion worth of savings over the first 10 years, when you break that down into 500,000 households, it's, it's not as much as what you think. No, that's right. It, it's a concern that it might only be an average of about $300 per home per annum that premiums are saved on. So we do need to see the detail because yep. hopefully that average is misrepresentative of the benefits that might actually flow from it. Yeah, I know when we were sort of putting together recommendations in our budget submission, we, we were really keen on on competition back in the marketplace and what that competition could possibly drive. And, and reinsurance pools are just one mechanism. You can dial them up, you can dial them down, and we have seen them fail and work retrospectively around the world. And so I think, you know, as a, as a community, particularly here in Northern Australia, we do need representation developing this reinsurance pool, or we need our industry experts up here involved in the development of it to, to really see it, see it prosper. Yeah, absolutely. And because it is specific to Northern Australia, we could see backlash from other parts of the country as well. So it's something that now announced we're going to have to work together with experts in the field and the community generally to actually see driven home in a meaningful way and not be derailed by other special interest groups in the country. Yeah, look, I've, I've already seen the This Is Unfair for the Rest of Australia article last Friday on a couple of insurance forums. So, you know, I'm definitely passionate North Queensland. I'm not, I'm not adverse to thinking someone from down south thinks it's unfair all of a sudden. So, you know, bring it on, I say. But uh, one of the things I also love uh, when you do the, the federal budget, Carl, is your biggest winners and biggest losers. So, uh, yeah. so tell us what you, uh, tell us the biggest winners first in, the, uh, in this year's budget. Well, as Andrew was saying earlier, the government has actually taken a more defined step to try and pick some winners in the economy. So 
anyone playing in that biotech or medical technology space is, is potentially a winner here. They can register patents after budget night and get a much lower tax rate than the average business can. So that's a great thing, not only for Australian businesses, but also from an international competitiveness perspective. So when we are able to travel again, Australia could become the location of choice for global companies looking to develop that sort of technology. So I think they're clear winners. I think the other winners out of the budget is going to be the community and mm. the families around us with things like the childcare announcements, increased capacity for home care arrangements for older people and those with disabilities. Townsville actually can benefit a lot from things like the high levels of defence expenditure as well. So the general focus of the government is about increasing our national defence capabilities and Townsville is extremely well positioned to be part of that over the next 10 years and beyond. And also like the, the research up here in the bio, you know, we've got some renowned institutions also working in that space. That's right. It's a fantastic point. So we've got groups like JCU and Ames who are at the top of their fields in both medical and biotechnology expertise. So be wonderful to see some groups at JCU capitalising on these opportunities. Yeah, and come on, give us the losers, Carl. I was uh, I was devastated uh, last year when you gave the losers as a as a person that has interest in ecotourism and international student travel. Yeah, tell tell me tell me who's who's copped it this year. Yeah, probably not so much by the doing of the budget, but unfortunately, those still involved in the international tourism space have got another hard year ahead of them. Yeah. And while there were some measures in the budget to support some of those businesses, uh, particularly zoos and aquariums, get an extension of some of their funding support, there wasn't a general package of support for businesses that focus on international tourists. So unfortunately, with the ending of JobKeeper and international borders still shut, we do have another hard 12 months for those businesses. Um, domestic consumption will help to some degree, but that's only going to fill up so much capacity in the market. Yeah, and those businesses are still going to have to pivot and change because it's a different market set and, and all of those yeah. all of those great things, yeah. yeah. I think for all those businesses, the best thing they can have is some certainty. Yep. So once we know when the vaccines are going to be rolled out and we can start to welcome international visitors again, we need to provide that clarity. And indeed, I think, Ross, some great advocacy from the Chamber generally around the need for businesses to have clarity around, well, what does COVID mean over the next 12 months? consistency on borders, consistency on what a hotspot means and when will international borders open up again. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one we're going through a pandemic, but yeah, we, we definitely won't let up on that because, you know, a clear plan forward is, is going to help everyone. And, and, you know, with some of these incentives, like we were talking with instant tax write-off and things like that, like if, if someone in tourism now wants three new cabins or, or a bit of infrastructure on their property and they're, and they are, uh, they've got that certainty that you know, or, or they've got that pipeline, that vision in space. Then, then they they should capitalise on this before twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one measure that we didn't mention before, Andrew, is around the loss carryback rules. So, if you do have a tourism operator that now is incurring losses, there's some benefit if they had paid tax in the past. So maybe it's worth touching on that as well. Yeah, Carl. So these rules only apply to companies. So if you operate as a trust, a partnership, or a sole trader, they, they don't apply. But basically, if you're a company and you make a loss in the 2020 year through to the 2023 year, you can carry those losses back against profits you made in the 2019 and subsequent years. So as an example, if you made a million dollars profit in the 2019 year and you paid tax at the company tax rate of $275,000, 
And because of the instant asset write-off, you might have a million-dollar loss in the 2021 year. Instead of having to carry that loss forward and offset it against future profits, you can carry that loss backwards and offset the million-dollar loss you made in 2021 against the profit you made in 2019. And you get a refund of the tax you paid in the 2019 year based on the current tax rate. So the current tax rate is 26%, so you get a refund of 26% of a million dollars. You get $260,000 cash refund from the tax office when you lodge your 2021 tax return. So we all should be going and visiting our local accountant to get all of this good news. We would love to see every business in Townsville at PVW Partners. So. <laughs> I mean, there are some other chamber members that you can also see as as well, of course. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, the, these are these are things that are happening, and um, you know, getting that getting that advice now and 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 doing that planning, it's it's always critical this time of year. Yeah, no, Ross, you're absolutely right. One of the best things about Townsville is there is a fantastic market for professional services providers. Um, the quality of accountants, lawyers, other advisors is second to none. So yep. it's a great place to, to live, work and do business. Fantastic. And guys, I always like to end these little chamber casts on, you know, your, your experts in your field and your industry. Is there anything that you could see make the biggest difference or changes in, in your industry to make it a, a, a better place to work? Or, or more broadly, is there some structural change that, that you guys are thinking about? Yeah, I think certainly think at that broader level. One thing that is holding Australia back is our taxation system. So for mine, there's a clear case for broad-based tax reform where we reduce the reliance on taxes that are harmful to economic activity and shift the mix of taxation to those taxes that are less harmful to economic activity. So the, the taxes that are actually the worst for economic activity are things like taxes on personal income, taxes on corporate profits, and certainly taxes on payrolls. So those things create a disincentive to try and do better or to increase your level of profitability. Whereas things like taxes on consumption, so the GST, are less harmful to activity because people are still going to consume. Mm. The, the rate of GST doesn't necessarily affect spending behaviours. So what we would love to see is the Commonwealth Government working with the state and territory governments to come up with a parcel of meaningful tax reform that would see things like the abolition of payroll taxes nationally, the abolition of stamp duties, um, lower corporate and personal tax rates, but probably a higher rate and a broader base for the GST. Love it. Andrew? <laughs> yeah, I think to, to achieve all that, I think we need governments at all levels to be taking a long-term view as opposed to working the the electoral cycle as they do at the moment. So, you know, looking beyond the next three years for the next election and, and working with parties on all sides, you know, at all, all levels of government, mm. we need that to, to achieve meaningful reform. So, so just a utopia to start with and then they all work together, uh, Andrew, that's what we want. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's happened in the past. Yep. It, it can happen in the future. So. But bold leaders do it quite often right. and, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't waste a, a bad situation, something like a pandemic. It's, it's a great time to reset and think about those things. And, you know, I know payroll tax to the Chamber of Commerce is also one dear at our heart and, you know, a, a levy that was implied during the Second World War to help the, the war widows has now morphed into a payroll disincentive for anyone to get above that sort of 15 to 16 staff members. And, and mm -hmm. it's and it, it really is a handbrake on our activity and our decision making. Absolutely. 
So anything we can do to keep working with the Chamber and to try and advocate for that positive change, then let's do that. We're all here for the fight. Thank you very much, guys, and thank you very much for joining us uh, on Townsville Chambercast. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Ross. You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. This podcast is proudly funded by the Australian and Queensland governments through the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. We would also like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are your local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au. A-D-I-T-S We appreciate you tuning in for this special episode of Townsville Chambercast. New content will be released every second Friday morning. So be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast for your regular dose of news from the Townsville business community. Thanks for listening. And remember to think, support, celebrate and go local.